Welcome to Jurassic World. Dude, off-road. We have our first hybrid. He made a new dinosaur? Not a good idea. We have an asset out of containment. She's a highly intelligent animal. Jurassic World. Can we stay with you? I am never leaving you. No, 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 him! In cinemas June 11. Okay, boys and girls, it's now time for Trucks in Sci-Fi. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, episode 543 for June 14th, 2015. Going to be looking at a DS9 episode this week called Destiny from season three. Actually have a sort of brief, tiny, literally tiny collectible review, actually. Haven't done one of those in a while. Talk about recent movies, TV, all kinds of geeky goodness. Uh, that uh, little trailer TV spot that you heard there, brief thing, is for, of course, Jurassic World, which just opened a couple of days ago. I plan on going uh, later on this afternoon uh, after I do the podcast to go see it. It's kind of a rainy day in Michigan. So a good day to go see a cool summer movie. So I think that's about all I need to say before we roll the credit opening credit sequence music thing <laughs> hope everybody's doing well and let's do this i'm captain kirk ladies and gentlemen may i present the winners of the 74th annual hunger games we are the men in black i'm the doctor by the way what's your name rose Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futus of War. Resistance is futile. Yes, it's a die streak. Flows from the force, but beware of the dark side. Iron Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's, it's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a uh, reach call. You're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. Okay, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Welcome again. And I always try to look back over what's gone on the last few weeks because it uh, seems like it's been a while since I did a uh, classic-style show, maybe at least a more than a month ago. Had a video cast for Motor City Comic Con. Chris and I did a Flash Arrow show we had Mark last week with a look at When Worlds Collide and just a bunch of other stuff. Uh, special Mother's Day a show from the Moyers. So let's catch up on some things. Uh, first off, I want to announce and, and, and mention again uh, the Patreon effort that I am working on uh, these days. Uh, basically, Patreon's a crowdfunding method. If you don't know or if you've not heard me talk about it yet, uh, perhaps... Uh, it, it's it's very simple. Basically, you just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N 
facebook.com forward slash Sci-Fi. There's links uh, all over the website, the Facebook group, and things like that. Uh, or if you search for Treks in Sci-Fi, all one word, on Patreon, you should be able to find it. And basically what this is is it allows you to uh, donate a very small amount, uh, if you'd like, uh, per month, a couple of dollars, you know, two, three, four, five, ten dollars or whatever per month that you can do or you'd like to do to support the podcast. And the main goal right now for this, uh, for me, has been I want to revamp the uh, the desk area with kind of build like a little mini set, I guess, Star Trek style with some computer displays and uh, a bigger uh, TV screen and, and things basically to use for more video casting make the set real look uh, real dynamic and kind of fun, allow me to put up different things on different screens and just have a neat little set to do the show, along with, of course, the usual uh, hosting fees, supporting you know the, the hosting of the show, uh, other equipment purchases, and so forth. So uh, please, if you, if you can, you know, even just a couple of dollars a month goes really a long way. You know, you get enough people that listen, you know, there's... Um, I know there's, you know, quite a few thousands of downloads each for each podcast. So, you know, even if everyone donated a dollar you know, <laughs> per month that listens, you know, that would be great or, or a couple of dollars or whatever. So uh, if um, if you can do that, that's fantastic. I would very much appreciate it. We've got some people already donating. It's only been I think I've been doing it for about the month and a half. So we had one donation month in May and it's a new month. So it only it only takes the couple of dollars or whatever that you donate once per month at the end of the month is the way it works. And you can set it up with PayPal, a credit card, things like that, whatever you'd like. But okay, enough about that. Uh, what else? Um, saw a very cool uh, new fan film for Star Trek recently that I wanted to point out. The Star Trek New Voyages people, I think this is their fourth episode. Each one has really been good. I think they actually get better each time cleaner kind of more smooth uh, a more solid acting job story they've all been good and fun uh, but this one the white iris um, it touches on some uh, previous uh, trek episodes you know this is basically a fan film effort set in the original series era with new uh, actors playing all the original cast uh, type uh, characters so uh, check it out just go over to star trek new voyages or sorry sorry (laughs) Excuse me, I'm getting it confused. It's Star Trek Continues that did the White Iris. There's two big Trek fan film uh, things, and I, I think I'm thinking of New Voyages because I just added to their, they've got a new Kickstarter campaign. So check that out as well, Star Trek New Voyages over on Kickstarter. That's the James Cauley effort that's been going on quite a long time, even prior to um, Star Trek Continues with Vic Mignolia or whatever, however you say his last name, um, uh, Larry Nemechek has been involved with them. It's a re- it's really a great effort. So Star Trek continues. The White Iris. They premiered it at Phoenix Comic Con. I think about two weeks ago. You can find it online. I know it's on Vimeo. Uh, you can also just the easiest probably way if you're on Facebook is just go to the Star Trek Continues Facebook group, join that, and check out these episodes. They're they're very much like an original series episode. Same kind of look, sets, music, uh, uh, format, even of the of the of the, you know, they're not they're not filming them in widescreen. They're filming them in a four by three format. So, it's very cool stuff. Uh, really impressed by it. And and as I've said a, a few times on the on the 
online on Facebook and that, you know, everybody's, you know, everybody's like, oh, why isn't Star Trek back on TV? Please bring Star Trek back on TV. We want Star Trek back as a TV series every week. Yep, so do I, but it's not right now. So this is about it. And I, it's, it's very enjoyable and fun to watch. So support these fan film efforts when you can. There was a new one, Captain Pike, that they were trying to get off the ground. It didn't reach funding. I think it was on Kickstarter. Uh, and they are going to create a new effort. I will mention it when it comes up. They're going to try it again on Indiegogo. I think they I think they were looking for around 100,000 or 110,000 and I think they got to about 70,000 or something. So it's really too bad because I think that it looks like a really interesting idea and interesting film. They weren't that far off the mark uh, and I, I think another effort could really um, could really work. So these uh I really like this day and age of being able to support people in their creative efforts, you know, kind of like what I'm trying to do on Patreon and these other people. Uh, it, it's I, I think more and more uh, people out there, the public funding projects rather than to waiting for, you know, the old saying of suits in Hollywood approving a project. You know, this this gets us a lot of cool stuff. And uh, so check it out. OK, um, I finally finished Daredevil. I'm not going to give any spoilers away. You know, Daredevil that, what was it, 12 or 13 episodes? Uh, which was it? Was it 13? I think it was 13. Uh, but, man, it was fantastic. Uh, you know, it's, you know, I still love the Avengers movies. I still love the Marvel movies. I just listened to Jen and Angela talk about Age of Ultron on uh, the Anomaly podcast. And all that Marvel stuff. we got Ant-Man coming out next month in July. Uh, it's fun. But this, this Netflix series is just very different. Uh, you know, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is on uh, ABC. We've got that on television. But, uh, you know, on Netflix, there's, they're able to obviously do some things they couldn't do on a network show. Just like Game of Thrones does on HBO, they can get away with certain things, language, violence, nudity occasionally, that little bit. Uh, but it was just so well done, so well acted. I was not, uh, I'm not a really big, big Daredevil comic book reader. I read a lot of comics and have read a lot of comics for a long time. But now it's, it's, it's very much, of course, got me interested to go back and, and read some more Daredevil that I have not read. So I picked up a couple of trade comic, uh, you know, collections, uh, and I'm going to dig into those. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, I think, is, there's a collection uh, that I got. And there's also a Frank Miller one, of course. But yeah, great show. Uh, not um, not a soft show by any means. In other words, there's some pretty intense things that happen on the show. And again, I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, a very, very uh, satisfying show, satisfying final uh, season ending episode. So yeah, check that out. Definitely. Uh, Netflix, greatest deal in town still. So <laughs> I should make him a sponsor. Uh, I don't talk about Netflix huge amount. But they've got other Marvel series coming too for for them, uh, and that and they're gonna bring it all together at one point. They're gonna, of course, do another season of Daredevil next year in 2016. They'll bring some of these other series out, and then they're all gonna come together in a in a super powered superhero team. Not really. Some of them super, have superpowers. Uh, even Daredevil does, I guess, a little bit. Uh, but they're going to bring them together in a, in a, in a team-up called The Defenders, which I've read that comic. Uh, and that'll be when these other series all, after after these other series come out, just like they did for the movies, actually, in a way where we had Iron Man, Captain America, Thor movies, and then they all came together in The Avengers. 
just uh, following that kind of model, which is which is very cool. So I'm very excited by that uh, to uh, to get more Netflix Marvel uh, Marvel goodness. Uh, it's just uh, great. They continue to do well at the movies, and uh, this uh, Netflix thing it seems like a perfect fit really for them. Game of Thrones, I mentioned briefly there. Uh, it, it's it's been a, a crazy season. Last week's episode was just nuts. <laughs> And I didn't even realize tonight is the is the season finale that uh, I thought they used to have like 12 episode seasons. I guess this is I think it's just its 10th episode this week. So, uh, yeah, um, it, it's the show I love to hate or hate to love or whatever, because it's it's just so intense and crazy. But uh, as Chris tells me sometimes, you know, it's well, I, you know, I guess it's good, uh, good good writing, good TV, if you get that worked up about it. So then that's pretty much true, I think. So that's coming out. Uh, I've been watching this new show, Stitchers. Uh, on I think it's on ABC Family about a woman who has the ability with a the help of, a, of course, a secret government agency, because <laughs> how many secret government agencies are out there anyway? But they have the ability to basically plug her into the mind uh, of a dead person to kind of learn what happened to them just before they died. She kind of can enter their mind, and and then it uh, it allows her to learn clues and things to to help solve the crime. It's pretty cool so far. It's a couple episodes. It's kind of a light, uh, you know, summer summer TV show is what I would say. Uh, there's some new sci-fi shows. Uh, Defiance came back. Uh, Dark Matter. There's another one called Killjoys coming. This is on all the the Syfy channel. S Y F Y. Uh, and I've uh, I haven't watched the ones that were just on Friday. I haven't watched the de- two hour Defiance premiere, which I, I like that show a lot. I just saw two of the actors at Motor City Comic Con a couple of weeks back, a few weeks back from that show, and uh, Stama, and uh, what's that guy's name? Oh, I wanted to call him Martog or something. It's the white uh, guy who's married to Stama. I don't know. I'm blanking out on his name. It'll come to me. But uh, they were at the Motor City Comic Con. And then there's this Dark Matter show, which is something about a group of people on a spaceship that they kind of wake up on it and they don't really know what's going on. Something is the, that's kind of the premise. So uh, I tried to watch that new, other new Netflix show uh, called Sense8. Uh, I watched the first episode. I had a hard time getting into it. I'm going to go back and I'm going to continue. I'm going to watch at least a couple more. But uh, it, it's it, a lot of characters, interesting premise, interesting concept. So I'll keep up on that. I think I'm going to take a short break. I need to get something to drink here. Feeling a little uh, raggedy today. Uh, but uh, I'll take a short break, come back, do a couple more uh, bits of news and information, and then we'll get into uh, the Deep Space Nine episode. Do you remember playing great PC games like King's Quest, Command & Conquer, and X-Wing? Do you remember spending hours tweaking your config sys and autoexec bat files to eke out just one more K of conventional memory? If you do, then you may be interested in my show, The Upper Memory Block. Every two weeks we talk in-depth about a game, game series, company, or technology from the DOS and pre-Windows XP gaming era. We'll discuss the story, gameplay, and technology of the games of the time. But more importantly, we're going to focus on what made each game special, interesting stories from their development, and how they shaped what PC gaming is today. If you remember gaming in the late 80s and early 90s, or you're interested in finding out more about it, come join your host Joe in the Upper Memory Block. That's the Upper Memory Block podcast at umbcast.com, or find it on iTunes. 
few other things I wanted to comment and mention on uh, the, um, let's see, where to start. Oh, I'm going to try to put more things on Instagram. Uh, just search for Rico underscore D. I'm on Instagram there. You can always contact me, trekSF at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook group that uh, got redone a couple of months back. Just search, search for Treks and Sci-Fi 2.0, or there are links on the main Treks and Sci-Fi website uh, to check that out. What else? Oh, on Vimeo, I've been putting quite a few videos up there. It's V-I-M-E-O dot com forward slash Trekkie. Convention videos, music videos that I make. Uh, I'm constantly impressed by the uh, level of craftsmanship and and artistic, uh, you know, skill that a lot of people put into these costumes for cosplay. I feel kind of a bit of a novice, you know, generally I just kind of buy something and wear it, maybe modify it a little bit or whatever. But these people, man, I I just watched a video this morning from an anime, no, no, sorry, it was uh, an MMO kind of... uh, no, not MMO. What is that? Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, League of Legends. That's what it was. League of Legends cosplay uh, convention. I didn't even really know they had such a thing. But in in that League of Legends game, uh, which is a MOBA game for people that are gamers will know what that means. It, it um, Oh, my gosh. These costumes were so huge and elaborate with big things and wings and huge weapons uh, and, and just crazy stuff. It's not just wearing a set of clothing. It's wearing like almost, uh, well, uh, you know, a very, very elaborate, heavy in some cases, I'm sure, warm costume. So my hat's off to those guys. Uh, and uh, I've been posting uh, quite a few pictures, too, from there's a guy named uh, David NGO. I don't know how you say his last name. Uh, but he, David, um, he does fantastic uh, photographs at a lot of conventions. It seems like he's at a new convention every weekend and uh, really great photography and uh, and you can really see some uh, some fun stuff so i'm very much looking forward to going to wizard world in august in chicago and also of course again austin comic con over halloween weekend um, with the anomaly folks once more so looking forward to that i've actually got a new uh, set of jedi threads to wear <laughs> Uh, that I am um, working on a little bit, and uh, I'm not sure. I'm probably going to do two different costumes. I'm going to try to do, I think, something um, non-Star Wars, non-Star Trek for the other one, because uh, the convention actually is for two days in Austin. So I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe some kind of a Marvel superhero thing, perhaps, perhaps, or or something else, or maybe I'll just bring my Mal uh, costume again, my uh, Malcolm Reynolds uh, Firefly outfit, because I, I love wearing that. <laughs> it's just it's super comfortable and it's super cool. So both those things make it uh, fun to wear. Okay, uh, wanted to mention somebody emailed me, uh, Christiana Reedy, and and basically she was uh, reviewing I Zombie, and I wanted to make mention of that. Uh, because it's a show that I watched for four or five episodes, and I, I, I had a, I just kind of dropped off. There were so many other things to watch on TV this past season, but she seems to really enjoy it. Uh, she's basically saying uh, that um, they they just finished up their season, actually, just on June 9th, and it's 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 basically the story about Liv who becomes a, a she gets uh becomes a zombie in the in the first episode and it uh, 
it allows her when she she works in the conveniently in the coroner's office and when she, she as a zombie she still wants to eat brains but she's still kind of a, a good zombie i guess you could say it and when she eats a little brain she she can see this is like the stitcher show a little bit where she can see the memories of the person and this helps solve their murder or their crime and so on uh, but uh, I guess later in the season, it becomes there's more of an overarching arc kind of a thing going on rather than just the who died this week and let's solve the crime kind of um, procedural drama. So um, anyway, uh, she says some good things about it. It's been renewed for a, a second 13-episode season, which could expand to 22 episodes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've heard it from uh, Kevin over on uh, the... Uh, the Facebook group, he likes it too. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to go back and catch up on it and re- and watch some more episodes. Uh, it it, uh, it wasn't like you know, it just it just wasn't. Oh, I guess for me, it it uh, there was again so much other stuff to watch. It was always the last thing I watched each week, and eventually I had about you know four or five sitting on my um, TiVo that I wasn't watching. But um, yeah, I'll get back to that. So thanks for your email on that. Uh, and I think we should get into the Deep Space Nine episode now. I, I seem like I have a ton of things I could talk about. I'll talk about the uh, my collectible review of these uh, couple of pop vinyl figures that I got. Uh, yeah, I finally bought some of those. So I'll talk about that after the Deep Space Nine episode briefly. But uh, So we're going to look at uh, an episode from Season 3. So kind of going back. I think I've been doing some later seasons in Deep Space Nine of recent months. This one's called Destiny. It involves the wormhole, the emissary, uh, a couple of Cardassian scientists, if you remember. And uh, yeah, so it should be fun. I will uh, do some commentary as I watch the episode and play it for you. So uh, let's do that. Okay, here we go. Cardassian scientists is coming to the station to assist us in deploying a subspace relay in the Gamma Quadrant. If successful, it will allow communication through the wormhole for the first time. I've assigned these quarters to the senior Cardassian scientist. Her name is Ulani. Her colleague, Gilora, has the adjacent room. It's warm in here. I take it you reset the environmental controls. I also had Chief O'Brien reprogram the replicators to provide Cardassian food. Security measures? I've assigned two of my people to follow the Cardassians at all times. Fine. Have them keep their distance. I want the Cardassians to feel like guests, not prisoners. Commander, there are still elements opposed to the peace treaty between Cardassia and Bajor on both sides. We have to be prepared for trouble. I realize that, but while the Cardassians are here, I want the Bajorans to get used to seeing them walking on the promenade, buying from their shops, eating from their restaurants, getting to know them as something other than brutal overseers. I just received the final update from the Cardassians on the transceiver they designed for the communications relay. How does it look? I'm still not convinced it's going to work. The Cardassians seem sure that it will. I hope they're right. So everybody's coming in, coming in the quarters and cork. Galoras or Ulanis? Ulanis. And how do you know their names? I was just informed an hour ago. Oh, go. Please. <laughs> I have a bottle of Canar for each of them along with a personal invitation to Quark's. Where did you get real canard? I've had three cases in my storeroom since the occupation. There hasn't been much call for it the past few years, but that's about to change. 
There are only two Cardassians coming to the station. How much canard do you think they can drink? There may only be two for now, but there'll be more, thanks to the peace treaty. And as the 34th rule of acquisition states, peace is good for business. That's the 35th rule. Oh, you're right. What's the 34th? War is good for business. It's easy to get them confused. The way I see it, it won't be long before there's a permanent Cardassian presence on the station. Scientists, diplomats, spies. And they'll all be welcome at Quark's. As long as they can pay. <laughs> I like Quark's attitude, you know. Has it that the given current news of things going, going on in business. the world, you know. I'm hey, as long as you can pay, it, you're welcome. Setting up a few Cardassian gaming concessions. There'll be no live vole fights on the promenade, Quark. I would never be party to anything so cruel and inhumane. But, of course, if some Cardassians happen to bring their voles along and they happen to get into a fight, I, I could hardly oh. be held responsible. <laughs> oh, yes, you could. And you will be. I think I could have watched a Quark, uh, Quark spin-off show. Would have been Would have been fun. But I'll tell you this. Good this, canard is hard Well, I'll talk to about it during the credits, I guess. cases of it. But that's just the beginning. Soon, Quark's become known as the best place for Cardassian food and drink in this sector. I'll probably set up daily shipments from Cardassia. I may even need to buy my own transport ship. <laughs> Quark, this canard has gone bad. What? I suggest you take your bottles and leave, Quark, before I have you arrested for attempting to poison our guests. Oh, poor Quark. You can't make a profit off this one. Well, I think he does a little bit. I think they have a meal in the, in Quark's. Excuse me, Commander. There's a Vedic Yarka here to see you. He says it's urgent. Thank you for seeing me, Emissary. What can I do for you? I am here with a warning from the Prophets. They don't want you to let the Cardassians come aboard this station. If you do, you will bring destruction on us all. Well, that's pretty uh, straightforward. Okay, we turned down the background music a little bit. So this episode, Destiny, uh, really uh, focuses a lot on uh, focuses a lot on Cisco, his role as the emissary. The story went through a number of changes over the time that they uh, first thought of it. Actually, they thought about this episode, something they may have done in one of the earlier seasons, and it finally got done in, in season three. Uh, it, the credits right now read David S. Cohen and Martin A. Weiner were the uh, written by's Les Landau, the director. One of the first versions of this had basically uh, Starfleet being a little uneasy of having Cisco be this emissary character. So there was going to be sort of a, a Starfleet bureaucrat that was going to come aboard he was going to come aboard Deep Space Nine, and he was going to say, basically, choose between being the emissary or being uh, in command, you know, in Starfleet in, in command of Deep Space Nine. And But by the end of it, it was going to be, um, they were going to realize, Starfleet was going to kind of realize, well, the, you kind of need to keep him there. Because you're actually making him more the emissary if you pull him out of command of Deep Space Nine. Keeping him in both worlds was the best way. So, Which was an interesting idea, I thought. 
Uh, but the, but again, the story still went through lots of different drafts uh, of, of how they were going to do it. Um, it's It's got a lot of changes. Eventually, uh, at first it was going to be more of a, a, a good thing, uh, this prophecy. It was going to be like the prophecy that the guy that just mentioned there before the, the credits was going to say something positive was going to happen. But now Ronald Moore that was working on the show said, now, well, why don't we make it a bad thing to make a threat happen? I'm simply telling you what was foretold in the ancient texts. Ancient texts? You mean a prophecy? Trick horse third. When he first encountered the orb of change. I'm afraid I don't know it. Perhaps you should make more time to study the text, child. Are you saying that the arrival of the Cardassian scientists was foretold in a Bajoran prophecy? Exactly. Trickor's words are clear. When the river wakes, stirred once more to Janair's side, three vipers will return to their nest in the sky. The river has awoken, Emissary. I think this is Eric Avari, this uh, guy playing Vedic Yarka. Just as Trickor prophesied over 3,000 years ago. Character actor that's seen in a lot of television. the vipers are making their way here. And I take it you think the Vipers are a reference to the Cardassian scientists? Yes. And this station is their nest in the sky. That's a big interpretation, but... Uh... And how exactly <laughs> is their presence here going to bring destruction on us all? Trickor said, when the Vipers try to peer through the temple gates, a sword of stars will appear in the heavens. The temple will burn and the gates will be cast open. You must not let the Cardassians come here. You must not let them violate the Celestial Temple, or they will destroy it, and Bajor will be cut off from the Prophets forever. Slow down. Now let me get this straight. You're saying that the Vipers, the Cardassians, are going to destroy the wormhole? Don't you see? This communications relay you hope to create is part of the prophecy. It will allow the Vipers to peer through the Temple gates. The wormhole, as you call it. And if they do, the temple will be destroyed. Even if we accept that the Cardassians are the Vipers, there are only two of them coming, not three. Isn't it possible that there are other mistakes in your interpretation of the prophecy as well? There will be three Vipers, you will see. Do you understand what this communications relay could mean for Bejua? If it works, we'll be able to stay in contact with ships in the Gamma Quadrant. It'll facilitate exploration. Help us monitor Dominion activity. Give us warning in case of an attack. None of that matters. I, you must listen to me. I know it is difficult for you to accept because you are not Bejoran. I have studied the prophecies all my life. We are on the verge of a great disaster. Is the Bajoran Assembly aware of this prophecy? Yes. This actor was talking about uh, he had he enjoyed this episode when he was working at the guest star here, but he says he, he, he they worked so many long days he was like laughing so hard. <laughs> his makeup and his nose piece for being a Bajoran like was melting off, and he, he said it was really hard. You know, he's he's got to be very straight and all these prophecies of doom and gloom, and and he just like was you know after about a fifteen hour day, you're you're pretty goofy. He said. My followers and I will remain on the station and pray that you change your mind. You are free to do that, of course. In this episode, Cisco's a little resistant to, to being this emissary like he is in the early seasons. And, uh, you know, later on, of course, in the later seasons, he becomes a little bit more okay with it and accepts it uh, eventually in the, in the later, like, fifth, sixth, seventh seasons. But uh, here he's a little bit, you know, resistant to the thing. 
So again, so you got these scientists coming, work on this uh, communications uh, array, and uh, the Vedic warning them not to let them come. And on behalf of the United Federation of Planets and Starfleet Command, I'd like to welcome you to Deep Space Nine. Thank you, Commander. I'm Dr. Ulani Bellor. Galora Rajal. The Cardassian government wishes to express its gratitude to the Federation for agreeing to work together on this The Galora project. character here is... It is our hope that it is the first of many such projects between our peoples. That actress is uh, Tracy Scoggins, who is, of course, on, um, on uh, Babylon 5. And on behalf of the Bajoran Provisional Government, I'd like to welcome you. It is our belief that this project will mark the beginning of a new era of peace for Bajoran Cardassia. Thank you, Major. Well, now that we've gotten the formalities out of the way, how was your trip? Exhausting. <laughs> we spent most of it rehearsing what we were going to say when we got here. We are scientists, not diplomats. You did very well. Please feel free to let the Central Command know that. In the past few days, I've been contacted by gulls I haven't even heard of. All of them wanting to emphasize this how is Wendy Robbie is. is this actress's name playing Ulani. I've gotten three calls from Starfleet Command just this morning. <laughs> Major Kira, I want to thank you personally for allowing us to come here. Me? You're the ranking Bajoran officer on this station. I'm sure we wouldn't be here if you had been opposed to working with us. I'll work with anyone who's interested in peace. I'm glad we already have so much in common. That's good. Uh, you know, that's one of the uh, you know the great things about DS9 is that whole over you know reaching and throughout every season you know the the, the Bajorans and the Cardassians being such enemies for so many years at this point. and and Two trying to make peace and come together and work together. Our transceiver is being configured to fit inside it and use its existing power grid. A similar transceiver will be put in place here on Terok No on. Deep Space Nine. Ulani, Yeah, it ain't Tarek Nor anymore, lady. I'm not clear on what sort of carrier wave you're planning on using to cut through the interference on the inside of the wormhole. We're planning to test various types of soliton pulses. One of them should maintain the required signal integrity. We tried something similar about a year ago without much success. Yes, the Bajoran government made your data available to us. I believe the problem had to do with the phase variance in your transceiver coils. Well, I configured those coils myself. The variance was less than 0.01%. Which, as you saw, was unacceptably high. Our new design has less than half that variance. You don't mind if I look at the specs? If you think it's necessary. Commander, we'll need to make a few adjustments to the station's signaling array so that it can accommodate the type of transmissions we're planning to use. Chief O'Brien's people can assist you with that. And when you're ready, Take the Defiant to the Gamma Quadrant, deploy the communications relay, and start running tests. Excellent. Well, it's been a long day. We'd like to get some rest so we can start fresh tomorrow. I'll have someone show you to your quarters. Thank you, but that won't be necessary. Thank you. Yeah, we know our way around here. We used to own this place, huh? Now, those are about the two friendliest vipers I have ever met. I'll explain later. Commander, I almost forgot to tell you, another colleague of ours, Dejar, will be arriving later today. I'll arrange quarters. Thank you. Uh-oh. That's three. So, 
We need to discuss what we're going to do about it. What is it, Major? There are gonna be three of them. Yes. Three vipers. Just like in the prophecy. Uh-oh. One of the few, you know, Trek shows, of course, that had a lot of, you know, religious and mystical overtones, obviously, Deep Space Nine, you know, very few of the Trek shows ever really dealt with that much, except in a couple individual episodes. He led a series of protests against the Vedic Assembly when they endorsed the peace treaty with Cardassia. So Yarka may be using this prophecy as a way to scuttle the peace treaty. That would seem to be his agenda. And it's probably coloring his view of the prophecy, just as your agenda colors how you see it. I don't have an agenda, Odo. I want this project to succeed because I want the peace treaty to succeed. If I thought for a moment that there was any possibility that this communications relay could cause damage to the wormhole, I'd put a stop to it right now. That's not the agenda I was referring to, Commander. Oh? I was referring to your desire to distance yourself from the title of emissary. It's just an observation, of course. But it's always seemed to me that you've never been comfortable with it. I can't deny that. I... Are you suggesting that I'm dismissing this prophecy too easily because I don't want to be the emissary? I'm not suggesting anything. But it's been my experience that all humanoids have an agenda of some sort and that their agendas can influence them without their even realizing it. Mon came by the infirmary this This is a good uh, good little scene there with uh, with Odo and Cisco about uh, you know the idea of being a prophet uh, for the Bajorans. I like that part. Major, may I have a word with you? I'll see you later. Oh, there's Mr. Bashir who's on uh, Game of Thrones now. to reconsider his decision. I haven't tried and I'm not planning to. But you must. If not, the Celestial Temple will be destroyed. I'm not convinced that's going to happen. Don't you believe in the prophecies? Yes. And don't you believe that Commander Sisko is the emissary? Vedic, you have to understand my position here. Commander Sisko is my superior officer. I have to deal with him on that basis first. So you do believe he is the emissary? You just don't want him to know that. I understand. You want him to know that he can count on you as an officer under his command. You want to keep your work and your faith separate. Yes, and for three years now, I have. I'm afraid that's no longer possible. The prophets have chosen you to help the emissary make this decision. A decision that has profound implications for all of Bajor. You must convince him to make the Cardassians leave before the Sword of Stars appears. Vedic, if you're asking me it to... It is not I who is asking, it is the prophets. Yeah, so this is a tricky situation, of course, for Kira, like like many episodes were. What do you have left? You know, does she, you know, I mean, what? Go grab the Cardassians, toss them off the station, go mess the whole thing up, worried about something that's going to happen, or, or, you know. Like Elogia of Prim. He's easily my favorite Cardassian writer. It is so rare to meet a non-Cardassian who appreciates our literature. 
I took an interest because I had the chance to meet Elosia. You knew him? One of my previous hosts, Tobin, met him while he was in exile on Vulcan. As I recall, he had quite a temper. Really? I believe this is the party you're looking for. Deja. May I introduce Jedzia Dax and Miles O'Brien, our colleague Dejar. We weren't expecting you so soon. I was able to arrange special transportation. I'm sure you were. I think it's interesting that they're all female. You know, the, all the these three Cardassian scientists, all women Cardassians. I, I, I guess that, you know, there seems to always have been maybe some kind of hierarchy of the males being more aggressive and in the military. I mean, although there are some definitely some female military people that you see over time in Cardassians, but it's interesting to me just, I guess, that there's three scientists and they're all women Cardassians. It's just female, I should say. I don't really care for Cardassian cuisine. We try to avoid it whenever possible. <laughs> Fortunately, those of us in the science ministry are provided with a wide variety of off-world foods. Yes, we're actually quite spoiled. Some of us even think of ourselves as better than the average Cardassian. Well, aren't you a ball of sunshine? Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's this new one. Dejar Jessica Hendra is the actress. She looks pretty different and grumpy compared to the other two Cardassians. What happened to these couplings? Oh, I, I made some modifications. But these relays don't have nearly as much carrying capacity as before. They won't be able to handle the signal load from the transceiver. Well, in order to bring the system up to Starfleet code, I had to take out the couplings to make room for a secondary backup. Starfleet code requires a second backup? In case the first one fails. What are the chances that both a primary system and its backup would fail at the same time? Well, it's very unlikely, but... In a crunch, I wouldn't like to be caught without a second backup. Well, what's done is done. I'll try to figure out what we should do next. Well, I think our best bet would be to go Please, to... please, just give me a moment to think. Fine. I guess Tracy Scoggins walked around I'll the uh, Paramount lot and said uh, when she huh. was in Cardassian makeup... In that case, could you give me a cup of red leaf tea? Uh, ...scaring, like, other younger actors around the area and... Even so much as security eventually had to call up the the director of the episode and say, "Hey, could you keep your aliens on the Trek set?" <laughs> there was a a comment here, and I'm looking at the uh, the wiki on Memory Alpha for this episode. We've loaded the communications relay into the Defiance cargo. Keep bed. your aliens Good. on your own, you know, Star Trek Deep Space Nine set. Kind of problem, but the chief says the transceiver should be online in about four hours. We won't be ready much before that anyway. We've received clearance from Ops Commander. Release docking clamps and set a course for the wormhole. So they're all now aboard the Defiant, of course, to uh, deploy this uh, subspace relay. Uh, no sign of activity. No other ships in the area. All right, take us into position. Stand by to deploy the relay. Wait a minute. What is it? Running a large mass of ice and ionized gas entering sensor range bearing 215 Mark III. It looks like a rogue comet. Let's have a look. Put it on screen. It's beautiful. Its core contains unusually high concentrations of silithium. That's why its tail is so bright. 
the sort of stars. Yeah, it's a cool effect here of this comet, this rogue comet. Uh, it was uh, actually they built a model uh, for a it. It's, n- it's not a computer-generated image. Uh, some of the tail is, but the most of the comet here is. Um, it's just a figure of speech. Well, your sword of stars is going to pass very near the wormhole, but not close enough to interfere with our plans. We're in position, Benjamin. So basically, you know, they're trying to put this uh, communications relay there so they can stay in contact with the Gamma Quadrant. Major, can I have a word with you? Sword of Stars. Certainly look like that to me. That's open to debate. But what is not debatable is that this prophecy has no place on the bridge of the Defiant, especially in front of the Cardassians. At the moment, they are not even aware of it, and I want to keep it that way. You're right. It won't happen again. I take it, Major, that you believe the prophecy is coming true. Yes, I do. So you think I should call this mission off? Look at what's happened already. The river has returned to Janir, the three vipers, now the Sword of Stars, each of them predicted by Tricor's prophecy. And then there's you, the emissary. You're here. You have a decision to make, just like in the prophecy. Do you really believe? That I'm the emissary. I guess I always have. I never wanted to admit it to myself. It's hard to work for someone who's a religious icon. I hope I don't offend your beliefs. But I don't see myself as an icon, religious or otherwise. I'm a Starfleet officer, and I have a mission to accomplish. If I call it off, it has to be for some concrete reason, something solid, something Starfleet. All right, how about this? The prophets, the aliens who live in the wormhole, as you call them, exist outside of linear time. They know the past, present, and future. Agreed. It seems perfectly reasonable that they could have communicated their knowledge of the future to a Bajoran named Tricor. He wrote down that knowledge in the form of a prophecy. And now, 3,000 years later, we are seeing those events unfold. To me, that reasoning sounds concrete, solid. I'd even call it Starfleet. Yeah, not so much, I think. But... But that all hinges on how you interpret an ancient text that's been translated and retranslated over the centuries. Words yeah, that this is one of the first times, you know, I think that uh, I'm sorry, Major Kira, you know, kind of admits to Cisco about being, I see she sees him as this uh, where you prophet. See I see three scientists. And where you see the emissary, I see a Starfleet officer. 
Dax to Cisco. Go ahead. We're ready to deploy the relay. Yep, go ahead. Sure. Should be fine. No problem. On my way. <laughs> really good, uh, you know, acting here, too. I mean, I think this episode has got some interesting things. It's maybe not one of their tops by any means, but a, but a solid one, I feel. Uh, but I, All I, right, I don't know. now we just have to shunt the ODN line through the secondary field. Something about Deep Space Nine always seems to see more, you know, because those coils aren't interesting and resonates, you know. Why not? Did you modify them too? Actually, I replaced them. They were always shorting Elmas. Frankly, I don't see how the station kept running during the occupation. Why didn't you tell me you replaced the secondary field coils? If you had told me what you were planning to do, I would have. I don't have time to explain everything. What? You think I won't be able to understand? It has been my experience that it... What? That humans aren't good engineers? No, not humans. Males. I beg your pardon? Oh, boy. Here no, we go. Just yes. don't seem so to this have is what... for this sort of thing. <laughs> That's why women dominate the sciences maybe on Cardassia. But on this station, this man is chief of operations. And I know more about these systems than anyone, including you. I think I know what the problem is. So if you want to get that transceiver online, hand me the laser torch and give me some room. So I guess that is uh, the case that um, the females uh, dominate the sciences in um, in Cardassia. At Are least. we ready on this end? Almost. I'm just about to activate the relay's transmission. So array. this relay is is uh, standing by. Uh, sort of a model that's been used before I'm on the TNG. Target the signaling array toward the wormhole and initiate a carrier wave. I think it was the Ambergosa array at one point. Initiating carrier wave. They've they modified it a little station, bit for this episode, but signal in the, same frequency. the model of it and the look of it a bit. The Armagosa yeah, from Star Trek Generations. It's a, it's a reuse work. of that. Uh, Let's try the theta band frequency. Initiating carrier wave. Something's wrong. I'm picking up a neutrino surge from the wormhole. Caused the wormhole to open. The wormhole's gravity well has increased by a factor of three. Terminate the carrier wave and maintain our position. Gravimetric fields have returned to normal. What happened? I'm not sure. The carrier wave shouldn't have affected the wormhole at all. Was there any damage to the relay? None. I'm still receiving the test signal. Benjamin, the gravitational surge altered the course of the comet. It's now heading directly toward the wormhole. If the comet enters the wormhole, the silithium in its core will cause a cascade reaction and collapse the wormhole permanently. Well, maybe better not let that happen. Destroy the, you know, blast the comet or something, Commander's right? log, supplemental. With less than five hours before the comet reaches the wormhole, I've brought the Defiant back to the station and convened a meeting of the entire science team. Apparently, the carrier wave we sent created some sort of subspace inversion inside the wormhole. 
That's what caused the gravity well to form. The possibility of subspace inversion was predicted in one of our computer models. Well, that wasn't included in the data you sent us. The probability of such an occurrence was less than 2%, well within safety limits. We saw no reason to include it in the data we sent you. Yeah. It would seem that our scientific methodologies differ slightly. It is our practice to examine all possibilities, no matter how unlikely, before we proceed with field tests. We would, of course, prefer to operate that way as well. However, since the science ministry falls under the jurisdiction of the military, we have to follow certain rules. One of them is not to make any project look unnecessarily dangerous. We'll keep that in mind when we resume work on the communications relay. That is an extremely unlikely possibility, Commander. The science ministry will undoubtedly wish to assemble a new team before proceeding further. That is, of course, an internal Cardassian matter. Chief, Dax feels we can't risk using tractor beams to deflect the comet. It would probably break into smaller pieces and we'd have a bigger mess on our hands. The same thing would happen if you tried to destroy it with a phaser beam. Not necessarily. I could modify the Defiance phaser array to generate a beam wide enough to encompass the entire comet. Vaporizing it evenly so it won't break up. How long would the modifications take? Three hours. Get on it. We'll be cutting this one pretty close. Four hours and 55 minutes, you know, with a few minutes to spare. I've accessed so. the Defiance primary phaser relay. I'm going to try shunting it through the warp drive. Won't that overload the relay? Well, not if we bypass the plasma emitter. I hadn't thought of that. So uh, this Cardassian scientist is getting uh, awfully close the to Chief O'Brien. <laughs> He's a little uncomfortable. She seems to be sort of flirting with him in her kind of Cardassian way, I guess, because uh, they're in this pretty narrow, like, Jeffrey's tube kind of thing on the Defiant to work on the phasers. And uh, I think ever since he basically told her off what and said now? he knows how and these things work, it's kind of uh, been an attractive thing for her. And now she's kind of wrapped her arm around his arm. You have very steady hands. Oh. Well, they get the job done, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and right now, the most important job is uh, bypassing the plasma emitter. Yeah, it's funny. I assure you, I'm quite fertile. <laughs> I could provide you with many healthy children, if, if that's your concern, but quite frankly, I think you're getting a little ahead of yourself. Children? What are you talking about? I already have a child and a wife. You're married? Yes, happily. Then why have you been leading me to believe that you wanted me i haven't <laughs> all we've done since we've met is argue i took your overt irritability toward me as a signal that you wish to pursue some physical relationship of course well, that's how cardassians uh, do things oh my i'm afraid this is a case of Cross-cultural misunderstanding. I think so. Oh. I'm not remotely interested in you. Whoa. Careful, Chief. Well, that's not what I meant. <laughs> no, 
You are very attractive, and I'm flattered, of course. Please, Mr. O'Brien, there's no need to continue. You've made your feelings clear. Ah, oh, Chief. Got away Galora, with the... Galora, we, we have to finish this. I'm sure you can complete the job on your own. Oh, Chief. Oh, Chief, Chief, Chief. Chief O'Brien said the modification to the Defiance phasers would be ready within half an hour. Half an hour ahead of schedule, hmm? The Chief's a born engineer. He always gives himself a comfortable margin with his repair estimates. Let me guess. You're reading up on Bajoran prophecies concerning the emissary. There are hundreds of them. Most of them are vague, some are contradictory. But just enough truth in a few of them to make me wonder. You mean some of them have come true? If you interpret them in a certain way, yes. So now you're wondering if Tracor's prophecy is going to come true as well. I have to admit it's getting harder to ignore. But Benjamin, there's every reason to believe we'll be able to destroy the comet. I know. But I'm becoming more and more concerned that if I don't send the Cardassians home, something else will go wrong. The gates of heaven will burn and be cast open. Yeah, Let don't believe it. Just do what you, you think is best. If you prophecy, what would you do? I'd continue working on the communications relay. It seems to me you have a choice. You can either make your own decisions, or you can let these prophecies make them for you. Yeah, Dax has got the right idea, you know. I mean, the you know this idea that thousands of years people could predict what was going to happen in the future. I mean, again... It's open for interpretation, and you, you can also make anything fit a certain set of circumstances. But you know, you know, Cisco is always Starfleet first and foremost, logical. But again, this is a good time or a good show for the difference between you know what you just believe and what. You know, you can kind of, online. like, reason out. Aye, sir. Phasers are locked on target. See? I told you to just blast the comet. you got to modify the phasers a little bit, but... Holding position at 10 kilometers. Shields up. Go to red alert. Fire! Chief, what the hell happened? I don't know, sir. The entire weapons relay just blew. All defensive systems are down. Benjamin, the sensors show that the modified phasers never came online. We fired a standard burst and it shattered the comet instead of vaporizing it. There's no way they should have misfired like that. I modified the systems myself. Commander, the three fragments are still on course for the wormhole. How soon before they reach the entrance? 26 minutes. Without weapons, we have no way of stopping them. Oh, I'm sure you can come up with something. Tractor beams on small objects? What? Come on. The main emitter coupling has been depolarized. I must have accidentally inverted the power flow when I tried to modify the phaser array. I can't believe it. A first-year engineering student wouldn't make a mistake like that. This wasn't your fault, Mr. O'Brien. And it wasn't an accident. Galora. Dejar is a member of the Obsidian Order. She was assigned to our team for security reasons. 
I believe she sabotaged this coupling. The Order has always been opposed to the peace treaty with Bajor. They sent you here to sabotage the Relay. Because if the first joint venture between Cardassia and Bajor was a failure, it would probably be the last. This is all speculation, Commander. You have no proof. If it was sabotage, a DNA scan on the coupling should reveal who's responsible. Take her to quarters and detain her there. Yeah, it's his, it's her. It's now her. The comet's Come on. been fractured into smaller pieces. Can we use the tractor beams to deflect them? They just disintegrate further, releasing more silithium. We can't stop the fragments. Is there any way that we can prevent the silithium from interacting with the wormhole? Maybe if we could contain it somehow. If you could generate a subspace field around the fragment, that might contain the silithium. The warp drive. It could create a subspace bubble around the ship. But we'd have to maneuver the Defiant between the fragments. They're too close together. There's not enough room. A shuttle pod could maneuver between them. And its warp drive should be able to create a large enough subspace field. Maybe. But it could overload the engines. That's the chance I'll have to take. Major, you have the bridge. I want you to take the Defiant back into the Alpha Quadrant as soon as I've cleared the shuttle bay. Commander. I want to go with you. Not just because I'm your first officer, but because I believe I'm here to help the emissary. Dax, the bridge is yours. So this is one of the uh, rare times we get to see a, a shuttle from the, uh, the shuttle pod bay. from the Defiant. Signal the Defiant that they can leave. Doesn't happen a lot. Uh, They're heading for the wormhole. I'm going to take us in behind the comet fragments. It'll be easier to maneuver into position. Those are some pretty big comet fragments, actually. But I guess, yeah, the, the you know the Hope Defiant would have been here. too big to do what they're trying ride. to do to get between them. Stand by transporters in case we need to beam them off the shuttle pod when they clear the wormhole. We're in position. Activate the subspace field. Field engaged. We'll reach the entrance to the wormhole in five seconds. It is, seems kind of convenient, you know, that this this comet with particles of a certain type of uh, matter that are going to hurt the wormhole just happen to be here at this particular point in time. It's pretty cool effects here as the, the shuttle... The space field is losing integrity. Some of the silithium is starting to leak through. Divert power from the engines to the subspace field coils. We'll let our own inertia carry us the rest of the way. Oh, that helped. We're still losing silithium. I'm picking up a neutrino surge. Something's coming through. So they managed to get most of the comets pieces Jackson, through. Cisco. Cisco here. Are you all right, Benjamin? There was some silithium leakage inside the wormhole, but we're fine. I don't believe it. What is it, Chief? I'm picking up the test signal from the communications relay. How is that possible? I'm not sure. We're reading a subspace filament leading back through the wormhole. It's acting like some kind of carrier wave. The comet fragments. They must have left a silithium trail in the wormhole. 
It's almost like the wormhole was wedged open just a crack. Just enough to let subspace signals through. The prophecy came true. All of it. We just misinterpreted Tricor's words. The three vipers. He wasn't talking about the Cardassians. He meant the three comet fragments. The communications relay. In a sense, we've been trying to peer through the temple gates. Silithium ignited the wormhole, burning the temple gates. So that they never close again. And it's all because the emissary used the sort of stars. And Trakor saw it all. Three thousand years ago. Or it's just all one big coincidence, right? So, but it's cool. I, I, I like just it. Want to say that I appreciate what I enjoy episodes that involve both Bajor and the Prophecy and, and Cardassians as well, and you get some new My characters here. My science ministry will protect me. Frankly, I think Dajar is in much more trouble than I. The order doesn't reward failure. Still. Yeah, this is Tracy Scoggins again, you know. You she played uh, Commander Lockley. Lockley, right, on uh, I know how Babylon 5. Ah, I miss that show. Sometimes. It's gotten me into trouble now and again. What's your wife's name? Keiko. A lucky woman. So uh, she gives uh, O'Brien a little kiss on the cheek goodbye and uh, then takes off. O'Brien, you know, when you think about it, is probably the last I'm person you think would ever you. get involved with a Cardassian since of his history, besides the Bajorans, of course. Words. It seems that the prophets want peace between your two peoples after all. Perhaps so. There are signs that Trekor's fourth prophecy will soon come to pass as well. Don't tell me that has something to do with me. You, Commander? Well, it is a prophecy about the Emissary. Tell me about it. Trikor's fourth prophecy says that the emissary will face a fiery trial, and he'll be forced to choose. So they sort of leave that alone there, basically. Alright, uh, so there you go. I'm going to dial it down a little bit because I think Netflix that I'm playing this through is going to start the next episode. Uh, which I kind of find annoying, really, frankly, for, uh, for the the uh <laughs> netflix doing that you know all the time but anyway so that is uh deep space nine's uh destiny episode from season three cool one i i think re really uh you know when you read memory alpha and the reaction and all the stuff that the behind the scenes things and how much they change the story and and they're in the what people's opinion of it are i i think this episode to me is is a lot to stronger and better than than they kind of give it credit for i think there's uh some good stuff with cisco and kira and, and just the i love the cardassians coming aboard the scientists i find those characters interesting it would have been kind of neat i mean gul Dukat eventually becomes kind of almost a semi-regular on the show but i, I would it would have been neat to have a a, a kind of a quote-unquote good cardassian maybe somebody come aboard as a as a member of the of the crew and the and and work with everyone 
on a on a week in week out basis. But um, so that's that. I uh, hope you enjoyed the listening to it and the commentary. I will take a short break and come back, do a quick collectible review, and finish off today's show. It's been a long road getting from there to here. No, it really hasn't. I... <laughs> no, we're not singing that again. Yes, it's been a long No, time. Jen, I don't think you understand. We're not ever, ever singing that again. Look what we've created. A monster. A monster, he I tell you. He playing it. I know. He likes it. People like us. They think it's funny. I know it is very funny. But that's not all we but are. My time is Okay. <laughs> this is Angela. <laughs> and that's Jen. <laughs> and you've been listening to Trex and Sci-Fi. With oh, our for- friend Rico. We forgot to say we're from the Anomaly Podcast. Doe. <laughs> Crap. Okay, the uh, collectible that I want to talk about, there have been, I don't know how long these things have been coming out now, but uh, there is a, uh, um, I think it's, hang on one second, I'm going to pick these up. So for a long time, they've been doing these, it's from a company called Funko, and they are pop vinyls, or just pop with an exclamation point, and there are these little uh, oversized, figures of uh, a variety of characters from all kinds of things like Marvel comics, uh, the movies, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, X-Files, Doctor Who. I mean, the list goes on and on. They, they, um, they, there's a lot of TV and movie properties, genre things that uh, they've been doing these little figures for. Anyway, there's um, near where I work, there's a little mall. Sometimes I go over there for for lunch and they have a Hot Topic, one of those stores in the mall, which is a weird store anyway. But besides that, I, w- I had a few minutes one day after lunch, and I was just walking around, and uh, they had – I've been resisting these things for a long time. But they had a sale going on where it was basically buy one – I think it was covered just about everything in the store at the time. Uh, buy one thing, get another one like at half off. And they had some Star Wars pop vinyls. So I picked up a – there are these little, they have like little bobbleheads and they're made of vinyl. I picked up two Star Wars ones. I picked up a Han Solo in his uh, original uh, A New Hope type of black vest outfit. And I also picked up uh, a Slave Leia and, and obviously in Princess Leia in her uh, Return of the Jedi uh, slave outfit. They're pretty cool. Uh, I, you know, they're about. Um, I don't know, maybe about four inches tall, not very big, uh, but they're just cute. They they kind of look like the characters in a way, but very, you know, anime cartoon-like. The the heads are, of course, really big. They've got big eyes. And I think most people probably listening to the show have seen it, seen these at some point in time and, and know what they look like. But uh, I don't know. We'll see if I pick up some more. I'd like to pick up a couple of Avenger, you know, Marvel characters like Thor or Iron Man or Captain America, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, they've got Batman, of course, and, and just lots of comic book type characters and characters from movies, of course. There's a lot of Star Trek ones, too, really, as well. So um, check them out. The, the nice thing about these things is there's a lot of variety and they're not too expensive. I think these were uh, like they're a little more expensive, I think, at uh, at Hot Topic than some other places. I Well, it was 12. They were 1250. So I got one for twelve fifty and one for whatever half of that is six twenty five, right? So uh, 
So not too bad. Got two for less than $20. And yeah, cool stuff. Check them out. Uh, I'll probably be picking up a few more and uh, to add to my vast uh, collectible collection, I guess. Okay, um, so that's today's show, everyone. Again, thanks for listening. Please check out Patreon if you get a chance. Uh, that would be fantastic. Next week on the show, we're going to do a little bit of a special show. I asked Joe uh, to provide me with uh, one of his podcasts from the Umcast, the Upper Memory Block podcast, where Joe looks at uh, video games from the past and really does a great job with that. And we're going to pop up one of his shows on Treks in Sci-Fi and do a little cross-promotion. So that's going to be next week on Treks in Sci-Fi. So um, anything else? Just send me an email, any questions, comments, audio, whatever, uh, treksf at gmail.com is the place to reach me. So thanks again for listening, everyone. Uh, I appreciate it, as always, and you guys have a great uh, week, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, your weekly dose of geeky goodness and sci-fi entertainment news. This podcast copyright 2008, Rico Dawson.